Distracted by large buildings or large expectations of becoming great and powerful. Instead, you spoke of God turning the world upside down and right side up. And not to be afraid when large things fall, because God is delivering a new thing into the world. May we who are often distracted by large buildings and large expectations for greatness and power, learn from you about how to live right side up and unafraid. Because you promise a new thing is coming and we need to be ready. Amen. It helps now and then to step back and take the long view. I love that quote. Originally, I thought for the longest time it was by Oscar Romero, but some deeper research shows that it's actually Father Ken Untener, whose excerpt from a much larger reflection is part of our opening quotes this morning. It helps to step back and take the long view from time to time. We gain valuable perspective when we take the time to change the proximity of ourselves from what is most pressing and in need of our attention, to change our stances, especially when there is so much demanding our attention, our investment, our action, the sense of now implies an urgency to become aware and responsive to the needs immediately before us, and it can feel overwhelming. The holidays kind of contribute to this. I don't know about you, but if, if you've checked your mail lately, here come all the requests, all the commercials on television reminding us be invested, stay involved, don't cut yourself off from the world around us, many of which is hurting and in need of presence. So in order to act well, in order to act faithfully, I think it's vital to step back and take the long view to ensure that our moral compass is aligned with Christ's, that our actions match where Christ is calling us to be in the world. And so that our short-term decisions will have long-term life-giving consequences. Mark, the gospel writer, illustrates this tension in vision and urgency and action with Jesus' response to a passing comment by an unnamed disciple. Maybe a name so that we might put our names there. About just how wonderful and large and permanent the stones and structure of the temple complex were. Just after Jesus has left that structure, talking about how power and might is embodied with the best of one who gives her whole life all that she had to live on her whole living to God. 
So I read Jesus's words in his tone of voice to be kind of like a sledgehammer to the ideas that the past is an ideal destination and that restoring how it used to be by doing the way things have always been done is how a faith community survives. Jesus is knocking that down. He turns these goals of preserving the past and determining the future vision by what's already been done into rubble. Not one stone of that way of thinking will be left on top of the other. And so understandably unnerved, the disciples want to know details about when this is going to happen. How will they know that the time is now upon them for this upending to occur? They take a short view of things, requesting the schematics for this new world that Jesus is describing. Perhaps so they can figure out a way to emerge unchanged and unscathed in this new world to come. But Jesus is talking about something different. He's talking about the long view that doesn't get overwhelmed by the world as it is. Because the long view keeps our eyes on the time to come and recognizes that God is still at work birthing a new thing into the world. This 13th chapter of Mark that we only heard snippet of today is sometimes referred to as the little apocalypse because of large part of its similarity to the book of Revelation, which describes the revealing of the end of some age or era in time and the ushering in of a new one. And most of Revelation is taking up with how terrible that transition is going to be with only the last two chapters, chapters 21 and 22, talking about the new heaven and the new earth that is promised. So it struck me from the last line of today's gospel is that Mark doesn't have Jesus wait until the end of all the doom and gloom prophecies to insert a line of hope. It's right here in the middle of it, where Jesus says, this is but the beginning of the birth pangs. Now, I've always read that line in the context of probably revelation in the back of my head. Jesus is talking about war and earthquakes and famines, awful, terrible things with pain and suffering. And Jesus, I've always thought, is just basically saying, get yourself ready because it's going to get worse. But then I thought about it for another second and was stopped by this is the beginning of the birth pains to realize that's, that's not what birth pains are all about. Now, I have not given birth, so my knowledge comes secondhand from friends and family. But birth pains are the beginning of labor, where the end result is new life, new possibilities, the promise that life goes on. Even in the midst of pain and struggle, 
and the perseverance and endurance that labor demands. The end result is new life. The promise continues. Which to me is rather hopeful. That instead of thinking this is all about just the worst thing ever, Jesus inserts in the middle of the worst things, new life is possible. New life is promised. God always comes through because life is what God is all about. Which then brings me to think again that maybe Jesus isn't talking about something totally radically new. Because from the beginning of human history, there have been wars and rumors of wars, famines, fires and earthquakes, suffering and pain. That helps me realize that even today, when there have been and will continue to be events that shake the foundations of our world and our faith in humanity, when there are all kinds of things that try to rattle our soul, Jesus says that happens still today. Even when we weep with those whose loved ones have died and whose livelihoods and dreams have turned to ash in California. And when we hear reports of famine in Yemen and South Sudan, and also statistics about hunger right here in our own community, a different kind of famine, where people have to choose between paying rent or for medication and food. Jesus says this is still going on. But this is not the end of the world. This is just routine history. No sign of the end, as Eugene Peterson translates it. Jesus inserts this amazing promise that this is not the end of the world. In the middle of dire straits, in everything that feels like death, that feels like there's no coming back from this, whatever this is for us. Jesus says there's a promise of new life. So fear not. It's just routine history. No sign of the end. So Jesus is describing two parallel worlds. Part of the same world that God loves and creates and is part of still today. It's the world of right now, the world as we see it and experience it, and the world of the not quite yet. The world that God is laboring and birthing into being. Always and continually in those of us who are open to being transformed. The birth of God's new thing is what Jesus knew was coming. Because in part he knew his Bible. He knew his scriptures. He knew the song that Hannah sung about the world as God sees it. And that routine history need not be the definition of God's present and future activity. Because Hannah knew all about routine history that defined worth, particularly of women, by short-term goals and tangible results. 
she was not the only wife of her husband. Some background to her song. And as you might expect, there was tension between the two wives. Hannah describes the other wife as her rival, who held the fact that Hannah was childless over her head constantly. So Hannah's grief and despair over her inability to bear a child felt like the end of her world until she presented herself before the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, I love the story and the image of Hannah just marching right past Eli, who's probably snoozing at his post, at the doorway to the temple. Hannah goes straight by him, bypasses the authority to speak with God herself, to take her concerns, her sorrows, her hopes and dreams to God directly in prayer, pouring her heart out. She had the courage enough to take the long view of history, to remember where God had been at work in the lives of women just like her, like Sarai and Rebecca and Rachel. And she believed that despair would give way to hope. Fear would be replaced by trust. Anxiety would be transformed into peace. And weapons would be of no use in a world where military might no longer prevails. Hannah believed, like the women before her, that one day she would dance her salvation with the promise cradled in her arms and her heart full of joy. So this is how she can sing about God who turns wrong things right side up about a God who judges justly and who delivers the needy, raising those who need a hand up and a place to sit, restoring them to a spot of honor and dignity. So this very personal story of a previously childless woman bearing a child becomes a symbol of hope for the entire community who came after her which includes Jesus and his disciples, and which includes us. It's the long view that makes all of this possible. When we remember just how far we've come by faith and trusting in that God who has never yet let us down. To make it personal or providential, The long view is what I'm calling all of us to take as we look toward a time of preparation and leadership in the year ahead. The long view is the place to position our gaze and our hope so that we are in a position not only to witness new life being born in us, but to also be that new life being born in our community. The long view takes stock of where God has led us, helping us see how seeds were planted and tended by those who came before, and also gives us the vantage point 
to see with the eyes of God the direction we are being called to grow in, sharing the love of Jesus and being community for those whose worlds feel like they're ending. The long view recognizes that while we cannot, for all our efforts, get the wars and famines and earthquakes to stop, we are being called to be among those who recognize new life that comes from these, and that we can even be midwives in helping God make that new life possible. So may we lift our eyes and our feet to take the next step along the way with Jesus so that with God's grace and the Holy Spirit's presence, we will enter and take the lead in places beyond our wildest dreams, bringing forth the reign of God here and now, long view and all. Beloved, let's make it so. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.